0: It's Coalfield & Company.
1: Go. Friday, 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 Friday. That was a good loud one, right, Candy? Adam Candy is with us. The entire building heard that one. Doors are all open. I think that's an FCC violation, but we'll deal with that later on. It's all worth it for a Cofield and Company. Here on a Friday, Ari is steering the ship. He made the call there. He made the call. We had some audio issues and he's like, I'm starting it over again. Rebecca Black is part of the show. The screaming, yeah, is part of the show. It's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen, Candy. What's going on, buddy?
2: If there weren't a Screaming Friday, I feel like we probably would just have to cancel the show and go with National. Is there anybody left at National? Can we do that?
1: Is that possible? We'll have to dance around that one. We'll have to dance around that one, yes. Uh, This proud affiliate of uh, many radio companies, uh, ESPN National, Mm. taking a hit in a lot of places on TV and radio. It sucks. We'll uh, get into some of the details. I'm not sure that most people in the audience really care who is giving them the uh, the news and their entertainment I, th- I think they care about some of them but uh, I saw a lot of uh, crappy attitudes today on social media but that's these days right Candy that's these days so we just had some really big news come in actually a the, the couple of big news items in the last two hours we'll get to the latest on Aiden Hill and the goalie situation with the Vegas Golden Knights here in just a couple of seconds but You know, something came out around 1231 o'clock. Today was doomsday for, we thought, San Diego State. Because they got themselves in a pickle, Candy, where they sent a letter about three weeks ago to the conference. The president did. And the president was like, can we have another month extension on our June 30 deadline? Because we're waiting to work something out with the Pac-12 to leave your conference. Give us an extension so we don't have to pay $34 million. We only want to pay $17 million and then leave you high and dry. And Gloria Navarez, the new commish of the Mountain West Conference, these ain't the days of Craig Thompson, right? The mediator. Make everyone happy, Craig Thompson. Gloria comes out and she's like, all right, good deal. We'll take that as a notice of your exit. Goodbye. Thank you. And we'll make it official on June 30th. And all of a sudden, San Diego State's like, wait, we didn't say we were leaving the conference. We just wanted extension so we can pay less money. But we need to find out if the Pac-12 has their TV deal together, if the conference is staying together. Please, 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 Gloria. And the presidents around the Mountain West Conference, how about no? So they were in a pickle here, Candy, and they just announced a little while ago that they actually have submitted a letter saying, we'd like to stay if you'll have us, please. Interesting
2: how the turntables turned. To quote Michael Scott, uh, "This is remarkable news." The, the most, the most interesting part of it that I saw was actually um, was actually a person who was affiliated with the conference sending me a photo about the news that was uh, for you, Succession fans out there. Uh, the final shot of Tom and Shiv holding hands, riding away in the in the limo. Yep, that's pretty much where the conference and San Diego
1: State are right now. Like, I guess we kind of need each other. We got to make this a marriage of a business relationship. Let's not get our emotions and feelings in the way. So we'll build on this a little later in the show. But, yes, San Diego State will be around for at least one more year. Or who knows? Maybe they will get so much G-damn money offered to them two months from now from the Pac-12 or the Big 12, and they'll be like, hey, 34 mil instead of 17 Give that chin flick, right? Up yours. Maybe that's hey. what San Diego State's going to do down the road, right? Exactly. Hey, over there. Up yours. We're leaving. Here's $34 million. Things change quickly.
2: What else are you going to do? I mean, the, the, they, San Diego State put itself out there on the block with the idea that the Pac-12 could get this meteorites deal done and... In the end, that's (laughs) entirely on San Diego State. That's like never having watched anything that's happened with the Pac-12 and media deals, like thinking that this was all Larry Scott production and that now with Klikov in charge, things were going to get better and things have not gotten better. Oh, crazy how when you lose the two schools you have in the second largest media market in the country, people aren't as interested in you
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, it's funny and it happens in lots of places. Before you have your next job, do not quit your current job. That's a real bad mistake. Also, don't make announcements based on assumptions when nothing has been finalized. I remember, you know, we've had um, we've had a lot of change over the years. I mean, relative to other radio stations, we really haven't. They're really loyal here at Lotus Broadcasting. But when we've had changes, um, I can remember. Oh, I don't know how long ago it was. Now it seems like uh, our buddy Mitch Moss has been gone for a long time down at Veasan. When uh, Mitch was on his way out. They sort of were trying out some people to go with Pritch. And someone came in and did a couple of shows and then basically started to announce on social media and talk as if, hey, the combination's pretty good. Can't wait to get started. I'm like, you haven't been offered the job, brother. Mm. And guess what happened? Was never offered the job. So don't quit your job before the next one is signed, sealed, and delivered. Don't quit your conference before everything is signed and done San Diego State. So, for the Vegas Golden Knights, for the goalies in that room, under contract, who are kind of loosely tied to the organization, even though they're unrestricted free agents, don't flip out. Let's not have any comments on this one. Also, for the media and fans, just because last Sunday... Elliott Friedman reported that there could be a deal done or on the way between Aiden Hill and VGK at two years, just under $10 million. It wasn't done. Candy, now it is done. So we're starting to get some more clarity on the goalie room for the Knights. It looks like it is about that number, two years, $4.9 million a year. What do you think? Well, what
2: I'm most impressed by is that Steve Cofield, noted hockey expert, just used room twice in that. In the room. What? Hockey: big, in, uh, Darren Draker, Elliot Friedman, uh, Frank
1: Saravali, Steve Cofield. They all go in the same bracket. Uh, all I do is talk we, about wide receiver room yeah. and quarterback room. So yeah, there's a the goalie room, the the, <laughs> the special the special teams and kickers room, which we have to talk about uh, ad nauseum the all the time because of right. Adam Hill with the Raiders. Adam's not with the Raiders, but we talk about the room yeah. with the Raiders. No,
2: no, no. Adam, Adam's not the one over there who's with the Raiders. That's someone else. But, uh, yeah, so the Aiden Hill situation, I, I pulled out my, my TI-84 as soon as I saw this news. <laughs> and crazy how when you, when you do a little, a little number crunching, the, the Aiden Hill contract matches up just perfectly with Robin Leonard's salary. Hmm. hmm. Now, they haven't moved him yet, and and I don't think they would be able to. I think that is maybe one of the most unmovable contracts in the NHL right now with where Robin Leonard is. And Kelly McCrimmon said last month that he does not know where Robin Leonard is in his rehab. I'm going to call shenanigans on the GM having no idea where the goalie is in his rehab, but it certainly suggests that they're not expecting that Robin Leonard is going to be able to come back because... I don't think you can afford to carry the salaries of both Aiden Hill and Robin Leonard. And there's no chance that this organization is moving off the cost control of Logan Thompson, who is signed for less than a million dollars for next year. So if you had any doubt about the fact that Robin Leonard is not going to be around, this has to be it.
1: Ooh, we have a lot more to get into. There are people on the show who think LT could be gone. There are people on the show who think that Logan Thompson may ask. To be gone, there are others who think Robin Leonard will be here for the long haul in some form or fashion. So lots to break down, but yeah, news in, now it's official, ESPN reporting and others. Aiden Hill back as one of the goalies, you would assume at $4.9 million a year. He's going to be the starting goalie. What does that mean? We'll examine all of it today on Kofi Hill, and company. We got a loaded show coming up, including football insider Caleb Herring, also a big basketball fan. He'll be in in about 30.
0: Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. On ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Oh boy, Candy. 4th of July weekend. Nothing going on, huh? We got breaking news all over the place. And while I like talking about breaking news, our uh, detailed rundown is now getting blown to bits. But that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. More stuff goes to the cutting room floor. So, we've now had three big breaking news items. San Diego State staying in the Mountain West Conference, same conference as UNLV. The thought was San Diego State could be bailing today to go somewhere, but they don't know where they can go because they have no invite. So we'll get to that a little bit more in about 25 minutes with Caleb Herring. We were just talking about Aiden Hill. He is now in the fold officially with VGK. I want to continue on that. And then more breaking news coming out. uh, Dr. Dre, Master of Kinesiology. I think we're the only ones in the country. I'm going to start doing that on the show. I like that. That's a new thing. We're the only ones who talk about this. Just us. Um, But yeah, Dr. Dre, Draymond Green is in the fold with the – pit. Late, nope, back to the Warriors. And for – I haven't seen the contract, so I was going to say for less money per year, but he opted out of a $27.5 million year coming up, and now he's got, it looks like, $100 million in a four-year deal. So Draymond Green and our reaction on that in just a few minutes. But we're not done with the Aiden Hill news, Candy. So Aiden Hill in the fold, two years, about $10 million. You were just mentioning – at the end of the last block, that LT, Logan Thompson, should be around. And then there's the question of Robin Leonard. So our own Willie Ramirez, about two weeks ago, started with his philosophy on this was, you keep Hill, you keep Brossois, you trade Logan Thompson. Then, two days ago, Willie... Had sources telling him that Logan Thompson has told people he's open to a trade, to a contender. It doesn't have to be a behemoth of the NHL, but he would like to be a number one goalie. So what's your reaction to that? Because with Aiden Hill in the fold, at that kind of money, you would assume Aiden Hill is good for, oh, I don't know, 44 games at least, right? At least half the starting goal split, if not more like 55% or 60 So what now with Logan Thompson?
2: Well, if I were Logan Thompson, I would probably be a little bit hurt as well by the idea that I was an all-star until I got injured, and all of a sudden the Golden Knights are giving out a $5 million a year contract to a guy who they didn't think was good enough to start at the beginning of the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, that there are a whole lot of questions that might come up in my mind in that situation, and I also know that this is not a Vegas Golden Knights organization that is exactly known for its long-term loyalty. That's sort of the opposite of the Draymond Green signing, right? Like, Draymond Green wasn't getting $25 million a year for four years anywhere else, but he fits with that organization in Golden State and they gave him the deal. If I'm Logan Thompson, what I might stop to consider is that the idea of a number one goaltender is pretty much dead in the NHL. Like, any team that goes anywhere is playing two goaltenders a significant amount of time during the season and if this year taught you anything around the golden knights it's that when you have to use five in a single season it might not be the norm but your opportunity is certainly around the corner and aiden hill's biggest knock is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his career so there's no guarantee that even if they think he goes in as the number one goaltender that he's going to be the number one goaltender and that's without even figuring out what happens with robin leonard who again it just feels like a really challenging thing to put him back in that locker room not only because of everything off the ice but because he makes five million dollars a year and the last time you saw the golden knights approach a season with two goaltenders making that much money you know who ended up out the door
1: franchise icon, and future statue winner, Mark andre Fleury. So let's back up a little bit to the middle of the week, because I want to talk about the fans and the reaction from the fans. So Riley Smith gets traded, one of the misfits, and I expected a good number of people to be flipping out. They did it again. There's no loyalty. I saw a little bit of that initially. Then I got a message after we had said that on the air on Wednesday from listener Mark, who said... Barbashev is a huge upgrade over Smith. No one is mad. Everyone gets it now. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. But I was on the air when he sent the message, and I hadn't really got a chance to canvas social media. Also, you got to give it, you know, whatever, 12, 24 hours to marinate a bit. And when I did go to look for some feedback, I went up to Facebook, and they've got all these Golden Knight fans pages, which get very outrageous, right? You're very mad at the Golden Knights, and those were hotbeds of fury around the time of Flurry and, you know, Nate Schmidt being moved and uh, Gallant out and DeBoer in and then DeBoer out, and, you know, that was before Butchie came in. Uh, there was always the opinion, like, these guys don't know what they're doing. They're so disloyal. I don't want to root for this team. I'm so angry. Well, when I looked the other day, Candy, the overwhelming sentiment was, hey, we're glad Riley Smith got a cup. Man, we love that guy. He's one of the original misfits, but we get it. Do you understand why they get it? Because I left out one part. The part that I left out is they just want a cup. We have to trust management. Now, on everything, which I think is an amazing twist, because while we used to say, hey, you guys aren't, understanding professional sports. There is no loyalty, and if management makes a decision that this is the best thing for the team, even though you think the team was fine, that's the rationale behind the move. You can't get all pissed off, and in hockey with the coaches, there is no loyalty, and now we've gone all over the other end where I think a lot of fans are almost going to be Patriot-like. You remember how ridiculous Patriots fans were on every possible negative report about tumult – and issues in the organization and that Brady and Belichick and Kraft weren't getting along. And they're like, all they do is win. They win. They win. They win. You can't question them. And I think we're there now with the Knights and
2: management. There's also another big difference when it comes to this. And it's that when it was Flurry, there was no replacement. Right? Like, no one was coming back in the door. With Schmidt, yeah, you could look right there and say, well, they had to do it to get Petrangelo. Okay. Well, you did what you had to do. I think there would have been a lot more reaction to Riley Smith had they not announced Barbashev within an hour after the Riley Smith situation. But like you said, Steve, uh, winning not only cures all ills, it also creates new ills, which is that <laughs> And no one can people, be critical. People can't be
1: critical anymore, yeah, yeah. right? But they can who was, but, it? was it? But they can be. Can they? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes.
3: Yes. Tell you, me how. You just brought T- up one tell of Tell me po- how. Can you me? just
1: brought up one Are of Are they the
2: allowed point? to be cr- – No, they won. No,
1: Steve. That's not – I'm no, not listening to it that. it worked. I'm not, Steve, it worked. I know. It all worked. I know that's going to be the – That will be the reaction for at least the next year. Trust in George. Trust in Kelly. Trust in Foley. Shut the hell up. They walk on water, or in this case, walk on ice, without falling down. Everything they do is by the grace of God. But we know that's not true because you already brought it up. Is Aiden Hill the best route to go at two years and $10 million when essentially he was the number three goalie not so long ago? Are they investing in a guy? And this isn't being negative to be negative. I mean, this is, you, you can critically analyze what these guys do. Is Aiden Hill the guy who's worth two years and $10 million? Would they have been better off with a combination of Logan Thompson and Rossois? Uh, by the way, listener Mark's comment that Barbie is definitely an upgrade over Riley Smith, uh, not everyone agrees with that. Uh, yesterday Adam Hill was on, and he said right now Riley Smith is a better player. They're banking on the future, and they're playing the age game of a 27-year-old versus a 32-year-old, and Riley Smith is the – well, we can, you get my point, we can debate these things. Everything they do is not untouchable, but I fear – that we've got, we're going to flip from the emotional VGK fan base to the defend these guys to their death. Whatever they do is right. And it's going to be one of those things where
2: you can't disprove that they won the cup, yeah. right? That's the argument that's going to come back at you every time. And I'll give them their credit. I will give them the credit for Jack Eichel because that is the moment that changed everything for this team. They needed a superstar. They needed someone to put the whole thing together to drive the play when no one else could, and they had to accept the risk of what that meant with Jack Eichel surgery and coming in. And so they deserve credit for those things. But when it comes down to Barbashev versus Smith, when it comes down to Hill versus Brassois versus Logan Thompson, in the end, you can't judge them looking backward. Mm -hmm. You have to judge them looking forward. You do, because it wasn't that long ago. In fact, Steve, I'm pretty sure it was last year, season before last, when we were saying, are the fans ever coming back to T-Mobile? Are they (laughs) done? It had faded a little bit. Yeah, it had faded
0: a little bit, right?
2: The shine was gone. The shine was gone only three plus years after this team went to the Stanley Cup final. So the shine can go away pretty quickly. Now, the Golden Knights were great in the regular season last year. They were great in the playoffs last year. And everyone's going to reap the rewards of that. But it doesn't mean that that was necessarily a, I hate to use this word, golden touch hmm. by everybody in getting there.
1: Let's do a giveaway right now. Two tickets to see Alice in Chains. The tickets just went on sale yesterday. You can get them at Ticketmaster.com. The show is at Planet Hollywood, Alice in Chains, in town, October 10th. A pair of tickets right now, Alice in Chains, 364-1100, 364-1100. Be a winner with Ari. Caller 7.
0: Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to LVSportsNetwork.com and go to podcast to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. Wake up with the Press Box with Greeny and Bischoff. Weekday mornings at 7 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio Studio. on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: So, Aiden Hill is back officially, two-year deal, goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now we'll see what happens with Robin Leonard. I suppose Brossois is on his way out. And I guess if Logan Thompson wants to raise a ruckus over this whole thing, then maybe that throws a little hot sauce over the whole deal, but I I think the room is pretty much decided, but we'll see. We'll see what develops here. So free agency in the NHL and the NBA is here. Just started a little while ago in the NBA. Um, I wasn't expecting uh, very many big moves, uh, but we got a big one, right? Draymond Green rumored to potentially be courted candy by the Kings, the Pistons, you just said a little while ago you don't think anyone else would offer him a hundred million dollars. I think someone would have. I think there are certain organizations that would like his influence, even if he's a fading player in certain areas. And he's kind of a dangerous guy too. If uh, your team's not good, who knows what his mental state is? But I think he was going to get some pretty competitive offers. But uh, this is quite the signing. It's four years, a hundred million dollars. We've seen, you know, Draymond at times look kind of helpless out there offensively, but you know he still brings the. I'm going to say it, the leadership, they appreciate it in Gold State because clearly, I mean, this whole thing, the way it's played out, Candy, I guess they thought Jordan Poole was a jackass. Get him off the team, and we favor Draymond Green.
2: I think they could have pulled this off with a lot less question from everyone without a video, but man, that video just does not lie of Draymond Green knocking out Jordan Poole. And Steve Kerr was very clear after the season that – That situation hung over Golden State the entire year. That's just not the way I expected it to play out. You just signed Jordan Poole to a big new contract, and Draymond Green could have walked out the door. And it seems to me that Bob Myers leaves at just this time, right? Interesting time for Bob Myers to go because Steph Curry is going to be around for a while. Clay Thompson's probably going to be around for a couple years. They were on this idea of... Two paths, right? Win now and win later. Well, with Bob Myers gone, it seems like they've gone entirely into the win now path. And uh, did Bob Myers decide to get out before that became the reality from Joe Lacob and ownership? You decide. Just seems like very interesting timing for the Golden State Warriors general manager to walk out the door before they commit four years to a guy who knocked out your, your sixth man in preseason and your head coach admitted after the year, that that was a cloud that hung over your team the entire season?
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because maybe it was a philosophical decision, right? Maybe Bob Myers was like, I don't want to be around an organization that's going to favor a guy who is uncontrollable at times, punched out a teammate, has hurt us on the floor. Not as much as he's helped us, but he's hurt us on the floor by being a baby. Maybe Myers was like, hey, this isn't the same organization. I'm going to move on. I'd rather work somewhere else. I don't agree with the Draymond Green decision.
2: And that's the part you can argue. You want to argue the basketball part? We've been over this a million times, right? There, there's, there's nothing to get into with the basketball part. He plays defense, and he gets assists. That's his value. He can rebound, yeah, but I, I don't think you couldn't find somebody else who could get in there and get the rebounds that Draymond Green does. He cannot shoot, but that has never been the problem. My question is, Draymond Green is 33 years old, and at the end of this contract, he will be 37 years old and if he slips by a degree of foot quickness, is he going to be the same defender anymore? He'll probably still be the same passer, the vision's not gonna go away. But if he can't defend, and he was second team all defense this past year, but if Draymond Green can't defend, then you are basically running Steph Curry and two severely limited players out there in Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, and hoping it's gonna be enough to keep up in what is a suddenly competitive West.
1: Caleb Herring's up in less than five minutes. We'll get his take on the Draymond Green re-signing with Golden State and lots of big changes coming in college sports, college football especially.
0: Cofield and Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring, is live right now on Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Caleb is in.
1: Big day of uh, news in the afternoon. We'll get to San Diego State, staying in the Mountain West, at least for another year. That's coming up. But Draymond Green, not going elsewhere. Warriors want to bring him back. So it looks like they've agreed to a 4-year, 100 million dollar deal. Caleb, what do you think? This is a bit surprising and uh certainly gives a conclusion to the uh the sucker punch by Draymond Green. The Warriors were fine with it.
3: Yeah, the Warriors essentially took sides, I guess. I mean, somebody had to go. Uh both had, you know, some considerable money on the table as far as keeping them around and Looks like Draymond Green is more important to the Warriors and their core nucleus of success, I guess, whatever, than Jordan Poole was. Um, and there, there's a ton of basketball reasons why you could say that that would have been the right decision, um, especially with the addition of Chris Paul. But I think Draymond Green was with this Warriors team, with Chris Paul and with the veterans that they have kept and the, the, the amount of young guys who have seen the door, I guess. Um, his role is definitely going to be diminished with this new look for the Warriors. And I don't think, you know, that's in terms of basketball and in terms of locker room leadership because they don't necessarily need his tone anymore. They don't need, you know, the, the guy that's in your face and, and telling you it's the Warrior way or the highway because everybody's kind of on board with that right now. Like the, the, the core guys, at least as the roster stands right now, kind of already understand it. So his antics maybe have a shorter leash. He's not necessarily needed on the offensive end anymore. Uh, especially with Chris Paul there to potentially do the assisting when needed. So it's going to be different. There's going to be some differences with Draymond Green. Hopefully he's learned and he's, uh, you know, tailored his antics down a little bit because they're annoying and everybody's kind of annoyed (laughs) with them. But um, it it is what it is. The Warriors have have stood by him uh, in other situations. And they, again, stand by Draymond Green and and sign him to a four-year deal.
2: How much should we read into the locker room piece of this, Caleb? Because we talk a lot about what goes on behind the scenes. And normally we don't know anything. But, of course, the video gets leaked about Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. And I think we all looked and thought, well, Draymond Green can't make it through this. And Draymond Green not only made it through this, but Jordan Poole is out the door. We have not been in the kind of locker room that you've been in as a college athlete and some of these guys are doing as a professional athlete. Is it surprising to you that Draymond Green would come out the winner from this?
3: It's not because I think, and again, this goes to before the punch for me. There's there's things about the Warriors basketball system that I think Jordan Poole was a little bit uh, contradictory to. I, I think the the poetry in motion that has been Warriors basketball for you know the last decade, I guess, or since the Curry reign has started um it's a very selfless brand of basketball a lot of off the ball movement and jordan Poole even at times and you know though he was electrifying during their playoff run to the championship um there's times where he just doesn't fit in his style of basketball kind of disrupts the flow of what the warriors wanted to do just from a basketball standpoint so there's there's a locker room element to the way that the warriors play where you have to have chemistry you have to have an understanding of your role and your place and the timing of it and you know you can look at clips from even when kevin durant was a part of the warriors where you could see the beginning of the end because it didn't work uh, for the chemistry reasons. So the locker room aspect is huge for the Warriors' brand of basketball. There's teams where it doesn't matter what's going on in the locker room. The style of play, is it, it is what it is on the court. But I think the Warriors have a very fragile system that if anything's off, it doesn't quite work. And I think Jordan Poole was already that piece even before the punch happened. Um, and Draymond Green obviously understands that system more than anybody and maybe plays that to his advantage and gets away with things because he knows he understands the system so well and because he understands he's the only piece that I guess fills that need for the Warriors the way he does Um, and I don't think he has success anywhere else the way he has with the Warriors people talk about his his vision as a passer I don't think he's as good a passer if he goes anywhere else that's not involving Steph and Clay Thompson moving off the ball for him and working off of screens that he sets. Um, but again, he understands that the Warriors understand that, and again, they they stake their claim that Draymond is essential to their way.
2: So we thought that there was a chance—at least the uh, Draymond Green was headed toward that door. We definitely thought, Caleb, that San Diego State huh. was headed toward that door, uh, right up until the time when the Mountain West said, "Yeah, that that's that's cool. Make sure you take your stuff." Uh, oh, by the way, uh, leave the cash. Uh, and now uh, looks like looks like they're they're coming they're coming right back. Uh, what what happened here? Are you? Are you uh, I'll ask you again. You surprised to see San Diego State having to crawl back home?
3: Well, first that was a, a masterful segue as usual. <laughs> um, uh, then I'll say what I think happened was you know just to make a poker analogy here. I think the the San Diego State administration thought they were you know, they were dealt pocket aces. I guess when when the hand uh uh, started and they decided to kind of wait it out um and what they did was essentially bluff their way till all the river cards were turned and then it was like all of a sudden they don't have the best hand and the mountain west was like yeah we know you don't have the best hand so you can say you're all in or not and and now we basically call your bluff and now those pocket aces are worth nothing because someone has a straight flush and that someone is mountain west so it's just it's what i think it was just san diego state overplayed their hand Um, And now they humbly have to come back to the Mountain West and say, you know, we were never really intending to leave. Um, They were just testing the waters. And I think presumably they they thought that once they made that kind of bold public announcement that they were willing to jump ship. I think they were hoping that one of the the Power Five conferences came in and swooped them up um, and made an aggressive play um, publicly um, to counteract theirs and, and kind of validate their their statements. But that didn't happen. So. Um, in the world of college sports where everything's changing, Mountain West is kind of stay the way it was. And, and San Diego State kind of has to tuck their tail and come back to the Mountain West. Now, they talk about locker room uh, <laughs> situations. I know there's not a, a Mountain West locker room, but that must be awkward now for San Diego State at any joint conference or anything to come to the table now and have discussions around the Mountain West when now it's publicly known that you really don't want to be here. Um, whether or not it was speculated before this, it, it's now public knowledge, and you made that Mistake yourself. So now you have to deal with whatever consequences, you know, come from that as far as media shares or whatever the Mountain West is willing to give you in negotiation going forward.
2: They fell in love with the side piece, Caleb. They fell <laughs> in love with the side piece. You never fall in love with the side it's, piece.
3: It's the 80-20 rule, man. You gotta be smarter than that. <laughs> 80%, <laughs> you got 80% with your main. The 20% looks appealing when you don't have it, but You know, you don't want to jump ship. The 80% will hold you down through the tough times. That's what the Mountain West was for San Diego State. We're the 80% now. And now you you dabbled with the 20% and you tried to look for that long-term commitment and she wasn't willing to give it to you. Now you got to come back to the 80 and hope it's willingness to have you back. Nice job.
1: Real nice job. Uh, Caleb Herrick is up on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and company, of course, played quarterback for UNLV, is now one of the voices of UNLV and one of the hosts of the Barry Odom Coaches Show, which is coming up uh, real close to the season. All right, we got a lot of movement and ideas being bandied about in college sports. I, I saw you bring one up about uh, all these TV deals and all this money being made and all this exposure. How about something dedicated to HBCUs?
3: Did we lose Caleb? Or I, I, I didn't there, hear the question. I, I, I'm back now, but yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. hear the question. Your,
1: uh, your comment on HBCUs and some dedicated television.
3: Yeah. So I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of, of talk about whether or not HBCUs will be led at the table. I know there's conversation every year with the draft if a certain amount of HBCU players will get, uh, will get invited to the combine. And I think what it comes down to a lot is, is exposure. And that's kind of what, you know, Deion Sanders was able to bring to Jackson state as far as national slated games or, games that people had access to. And that, that was there was some movement on that frontier. But um, just trying to be creative. You know, there's a conversation that I had in my private life about whether or not HBCUs are getting a fair shake or the, the athletes that decided to the high profile athletes that decided to attend HBCUs are getting a fair shake as far as their exposure. Because I think in this day and age, that has a lot to do with the success, whether it be through NIL deals in, in college or through getting recognized for draft prospects. Um, it's about exposure. And I think uh, you know, things like that creative solutions, I guess, outside of can an HBCU team join a Power Five conference, uh when that is a, a very hefty ask for any HBCU team. I think there are media conglomerates that could maybe grant access. And I know there have been efforts too in the past, um, to grant access to give these these schools and these athletes more exposure. And I think the exposure that we all feel that they maybe deserve Um, Because of the work that they put in and the opportunities that they aren't afforded at that level. But it's just something that, you know, I was brainstorming out loud, I guess, on my social media. And I just really wanted to know if there was any outlets that anyone knew of because I just don't see it advertised. Uh, You know, there's packages now for everything, you know, for out of network games for, you know, the NFL or, or out of network games for college sports even. Why not have an out-of-network plan for HBCUs where they always have an audience, and you can kind of get a better barometer of what kind of audience they do generate, so that going forward they do get a better revenue share and better exposure uh, on the national market.
1: Some changes being discussed around college sports, college football in particular. I think that's really what they're talking about. In college basketball, men's and women's, the transfer portal, the coaches' favorite topic, of course. As we've pointed out a million times, they can come and go as they please. Oh, the players. Well, that bothers us. That's disloyalty and no dedication. And man, kids these days, uh, they're talking about shrinking the transfer portal from 60 days to 30 days.
3: What do you think? I think it's definitely uh, to favor or to it favors the coaches opinion here. Uh, It's a step back kind of reigning in the transfer portal, Um, whereas, you know, like you said, the coaches have always kind of been able to move (laughs) freely through the market. Um, but I think it's, it's an attempt to rein in the transfer report. I think there was uh, – I think it was 60 days beforehand with, with college football especially, but the 45 days and then the 15 in April uh, that they get to enter. And it's be- become sort of a, uh, a free-for-all during that period. And I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that it should be a free-for-all, but obviously the powers that be think they need to rein it in a bit. And they suggest that there's evidence to say that you know, the early parts of those, those, those transfer uh, windows – is when the people are entering anyway so why not just shrink it down what well, I, I think it's not that the the timing of when people decide to leave i think when you when you shrink it down you give less time for thought i mean uh, to consider the the consequences of your actions i guess in that regard but uh, and that's again without penalty to be able to be eligible for the next season you have to enter within these windows of time and shrinking that window um, puts a lot more pressure on the decision for the athlete and maybe uh, deters athletes from from transferring which again plays into the hands of the coaches. It's a power shift back to coaches and administrations uh, to kind of have leverage over players in that instance. And I think that goes against the whole spirit of the transfer portal in the beginning. It it should allow players to have the freedom of movement, not freedom from consequences, uh, but the freedom of movement to make the decisions and not be locked in uh, to an institution when that institution does not have any loyalties or quote unquote lock-ins to that player. Um, So we'll see. We'll see if it passes. I think they have to have a final uh, meeting about it in October. It's right now just a suggestion, but we'll see how that goes. In my mind, I think it's going to be trimmed down to that half number that they're talking about here so far.
1: Caleb Herring with us on Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Candy is here as well. I know you saw the story on ESPN.com about helmet cams. What's that all about around the NFL?
3: Well, it's an interesting thing. It's it's one thing that I've always wanted to bring to the viewers' perspective, and they kind of did it with a sky cam in the NFL. It kind of gives you a feel for what the quarterback sees, but I think it, it gives the viewer, in in a sense, more of an appreciation for what the quarterback looks at, as far as like saying, "Hey, you missed the wide open guy." Well, you get the view and the perspective of a quarterback. It's not always as easy as it looks. Um, but in in the the context of practice and what it can mean for NFL organizations, I know the Dolphins have 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 rolled it out and they use it. Um, they've also added an audio element to kind of look at it for training purposes, um, and really to get into what the huddle calls sound like. And it's something that a lot of young quarterbacks really don't understand about the NFL that there's a language that's being spoken in the huddles that these quarterback cams will pick up and be able to understand. Um, but I think it's been used uh, by a couple of organizations in the NFL, the Dolphins being one of them, um, for for training and to to see what the where the quarterback's eyes are if they're in the right place if they're they're kind of scatterbrained back in the pocket, not really knowing exactly what they're looking at. um, Then it helps you to hone in on that and that being an aspect of training to focus on. But I think it's a cool concept. I don't know how applicable it is for the games because, you know, there's a big camera on the side of a helmet. So (laughs) obviously risk factor for injuries there. But I think it will be a cool concept uh, for for viewers and for people like me who are kind of football nerds to be able to see from a quarterback's perspective what's caught on tape. When you're in the pocket, when you're in the huddle as a quarterback, it's it's definitely an element of the game that's different and unique to the position. We still don't have a hard knocks team.
1: I want to get an opinion from both Candy and Caleb. Caleb, you go first. What the hell is happening here? Because it looks pretty obvious that the four teams that are eligible do not want to be on. And Raj is going to have to force one of them on to HBO to do hard knocks.
3: Yeah, the requirements, I think, are like you said, met by four different teams, which are like you had you had to have missed the playoffs in the last two seasons. You weren't on hard knocks for the last 10 years, which I don't – I think the Jets were, but it's been at least 10 years that they that they have been on. So uh, there's another requirement that I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, no new head coach. So you can't have a new head coach um, in order to be forced in. But you're one of the teams the Jets are to be forced on the hard knocks. And based on the offseason chatter – and. The kind of spectacle around aaron Rodgers, um, and then the new york market being such a big market anyway it makes sense that the jets would be the pick um, and again they can be forced to by the nfl with this deal with with hbo that they can be forced into it whether or not they want it um, and i i i see a situation like that where the jets have publicly said we don't want it we are they already kind of i believe have their own little uh i guess series that they do for their own audience and for their own purposes as a franchise um, so they just don't want the distraction of hard knocks on a season that they think they can be contenders. Um, I don't know the data on whether or not hard knocks is a jinx um, for, for a team. Like if you have hard knocks in your, in your facilities during the offseason, you then all of a sudden suffer for it during the season. Or, you know, it's a, a, a different process having hard knocks follow your team around during the offseason and during preseason. But I think the people do want to see what happens with the Jets. I think that's a compelling story to follow with Aaron Rodgers being, you know, kind of a, a major figure. Uh, changing teams. I, I think if Tom Brady was, you know, the the story for the Bucs or if they were eligible to be forced, I think the NFL probably would have had a hand in forcing them as well. But it's, it's the story of the offseason, really, and Hard Knocks would be, um, I think, foolish to not pursue them as the target team for Hard Knocks this year.
1: Caleb, good job, man. Very good job. It's, it's only a few more weeks. It's only a few more weeks. I know all the, like, the super hardcore football people are – just counting the days down until the very last week of July because that's when NFL teams will report to camp. I know you have the memories of this. I'm sure these last few weeks uh, feel kind of fleeting as uh, you want to chill a bit, but you know the season's right around the corner and the hard times are coming, aren't they, with training camp opening up
3: at the end of July? Yeah, the grind is about to start, man. We're all ready for it. We're itching for it. This this break from, I guess, major sports, if you want to say that, is is a little bit tough, but the football fans are, are, are itching to come out and The end of July definitely marks that. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a fun time for for everybody involved.
1: Caleb, appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend.
3: You guys, too. Enjoy the 4th of July.
1: Oh, already jumping ahead. Oh, I didn't know that was part of the conversation today. Do we have respect for July 3rd? Or we just blow right through it? We'll find out from Candy. I also want an answer on – well, I would like one. I'm not going to demand it, but I would like an answer on the Jets potentially being forced to do hard knocks. What?